0: in your second year of undergrad to getting a medical school acceptance that's what we're going to find out today Premed years, session number 474 hello and welcome to the pre-med years where we believe that collaboration not competition is key to your success i'm your host dr ryan gray and in this podcast we share with you stories encouragement and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am loving bringing back a lot of these interviews with successful students. If you are enjoying these, I hope you are. I just, I hope you are, if you are. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to go tell everyone about uh, this podcast, your advisors or your classmates about this podcast, the motivation, encouragement, and information that you get from this podcast for free every week. This week, we're talking to Mike, who had a little setback in his second year of undergrad with a 1.88 GPA and figuring out if this was the path for him and what he needed to do to get back in the driver's seats and ultimately get that acceptance to medical school. Before we do jump in, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. As we're recording this, it's the end of January 2022. It is time to start ramping up your MCAT prep if you haven't already. If you are applying here in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, you may be coming down to the wire with your MCAT prep. And if that's the case, check out the Blueprint MCAT and Sketchy Bundle where you get access to Blueprint full-length exams, which are key to doing well on the MCAT as well as access to Sketchy's brand new MCAT product, which helps you understand and retain information even better than before. Sketchy's been around the med school world forever with an amazing product that helps students ace their USMLE step exams. And now they're helping pre-med students in the MCAT world with an amazing bundle with Blueprint MCAT. So go check it out at blueprintmcat.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump in and talk to Mike about his journey, his slip-ups, and his recovery. Mike, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks
1: for joining me. Hey, Dr. Gert. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to chat with you about your journey into medical school, talk about the ups and downs and all-arounds. But before we jump into all of those specifics, when did you first realize you wanted to be a physician?
1: Um, This was actually a while back when I was eight years old, I believe. Um, I had already spent some time coming to work with my mom she worked in the CNA. And then later on, I I would go to a couple book fairs that my school would host. And I found out about some um, science magazines where I learned about organ systems and things like that, like the cardiovascular, renal, all of it. And it really intrigued me. That's when I decided I, I really wanted to go into medicine and then, as I got older, my reasons kind of just kept piling on top of each other.
2: Mm.
0: So you you have this early exposure, early experience uh, with healthcare with your mom being involved in healthcare. So you're like, oh, this is this is really cool. When was the first time you remember uh, kind of going and experiencing for yourself, seeing okay, like I liked I liked when I hung out with mom when she was working, but I don't know if I want to do this myself. What? When was the first time you stepped foot in that kind of clinical environment and got some experience yourself?
1: Um, my first time for myself was probably not even until uh, towards the end of college, mm. maybe my junior or sophomore. Okay, not the end, maybe sophomore or junior year when I started to volunteer. Okay, Um, you know it wasn't really that much hands-on experience of like wheeling patients to one area, wheeling them to the so they can get picked up or like wiping down pre-op or post-op rooms. Yeah. So then I was like, well, I mean, this isn't really what I was expecting here. I don't know if this is something I still want to do, Mm. but, um, especially when I, I didn't even know shadowing was a thing until later on in my college career. And I had already switched majors, but, um, I didn't get my first experience shadowing until I took my very last semester in undergrad.
0: Okay. Interesting so let's let's take a peek at uh kind of your academic journey you, you started off college pretty well and then you struggled your second year um what what happened there going from kind of a a three two two looking at your GPA here three two two to a one eight eight cumulative GPA uh, for each of those years. So 322 first year, one eight, eight second year. What what caused that big dip there?
1: I would say I, I could attribute it to a bunch of different things. Um one, I I feel like I was kind of still easing into what exactly college was. I didn't the only idea of college i had was growing up was things that i had seen on tv um, being first generation i couldn't really ask my mom i didn't really have family members in the country to ask about it mm-hmm. so it was just like i'm kind of just like feeling around and seeing what i could do what works and freshman year um coming in i, I was still pre i felt like i was still academically pretty sound
2: mm-hmm.
1: i was still I had a lot of distractions still, but I was still able to kind of just like get a grasp of things, mainly because a lot of what I was doing freshman year were things that I learned my senior year of high school. Mm. But I couldn't really rely on that my sophomore year. In addition, like I believe, growing up, I was always I always had a lot of responsibilities, I had to be accountable for so many different people, mm-hmm. this this and that. And that was not the case for me in college. I was like oh, all I have to do is get good grades. That's
0: not a problem.
1: <laughs> and,
0: Piece of cake.
1: Yeah. And then I get to college and then I'm doing everything but worrying about my grades. Um, even started working a little bit. Um, distracted myself. I don't want to say volunteering was a distraction, but I did give a lot of my time to that. In addition to like all the other um, fun college activities that may happen mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I, I allowed myself to be distracted very heavily. And... After my sophomore year, that's when I was like, man, you're not acting like you want to be a doctor. This this isn't it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so that's the interesting thing, right? And, and that was the next question I was going to ask is, it, it sounds like, and looking at your transcript, it looks like you were on the path to be a pre-med or you were a pre-med student at that point, thinking that you wanted to go uh, to medical school. But you mentioned earlier that your kind of first exposures that you had yourself were a little bit later, kind of the tail end of second year, going into third year uh, was shadowing coming a little bit later. I wonder how much of that struggle that you had was because there was nothing tangible on the other side. You're kind of killing yourself with, with chemistry and OCHEM and, and physics and all these other classes And you didn't really have, uh, and I'm hypothesizing here, you didn't really have the idea and the picture and the visuals, the experiences being with and around patients where you were taking care of them and not necessarily just seeing it kind of secondhand through your mom at at a younger age. Do you think that played a part at all in, in your kind of initial what I would call burnout almost with your grades?
1: I would almost actually say yeah. I didn't consider it until um, later on in my postdoc program. I, I had like a pretty heavy workload, and then there would be moments where um, after like two months, I'm like, man, all I've been doing is grinding. I finally make it into shadow this doctor that um, that wonderful, and she would let me do rounds with her and her residents and everything. And after seeing patients with them and how they like over time help the patients get better it was like something tangible i could see like wow like it really um invigorated me to be like well this is something i want to do like now i can get back to my classes now i can like study harder study longer and everything so eventually it got to the point every time i felt burnt out i was like okay i guess i gotta go shadow now get my uh, recharge if that makes sense
0: it makes complete sense. I talk about it all the time, and i think I think students discount that side of of the experience and and they just view the experience as a necessity for med schools and a time suck from studying that and they don't really understand that it's really a lot of times a reinvigoration of your uh, your why why you're doing this right to to give you the the mental clarity and capaci- capacity um to to study harder and to study longer potentially and so it's it's definitely something i love talking about and and it it definitely looks like a, that from your uh side of things when I look at your transcript here, you stopped taking science courses your third year. You took sixteen credit hours first year, ten credit hours second year, and then you don't have any your third and fourth year of undergrad. Mm-hmm. To me, it looks like you you waved the white flag and and you said either I don't want to be a doctor anymore or maybe more realistically you're like i don't think i can be a doctor anymore
1: yeah it was actually a combination of both um you know we have advisors telling us like we need straight a's maybe one b plus is acceptable you know and here i just finished off my sophomore year i completely tanked it and then i was like well i guess this is it for me i had a horrible year and then um I was like with these grades, with school, like going through undergrad, especially as freshmen and sophomore, all you hear is like med school is very competitive. You need to be perfect. You need to be this, this, and that. I'm like, well, these grades left for you are far from that, (laughs) On the opposite spectrum. So um, I might as well try to do something else with my life. And uh, I kind of did give up on being a physician at that point.
0: Yeah what did you decide to go to at that point?
1: Um, So I did want to, I knew I wanted to stay involved in healthcare Mm -hmm. because I I looked at, you know, especially in this day and age, there's a million things you could do, but nothing still seemed interesting to me. So I figured, well, maybe I could participate in like the business side of healthcare. So I looked at some of our majors at U of I, and I saw the option to do community health with a concentration in health planning and administration Mm. and i i actually really started to enjoy it a lot especially when um my classes became more focused we started looking at how um hospitals may like file their taxes what goes into it what goes into like reducing cost or improving patient quality or quality of care things like that and all of that was very interesting to me Mm -hmm. and then there was also like a public health component so overall i was like okay well yeah I, I think i could see myself doing this you know and then um during our the last semester i had to take an extra semester since i uh, i switched majors relatively late and they make it mandatory to do um, an internship for the whole semester you know, in which you're you're doing an internship maybe 20 hours a week or so mm. and i got one at carl hospital in urbana and started off all right i'm like okay well this seems pretty cool but then after about three four weeks i'm like i don't know if i hear people say i'm like yeah i've been working here for 30 years and their, their desk is in the basement of the hospital mm-hmm. they're crunching away excel sheets powerpoints this this and that i'm like for 30 years i it can't be me i'm already tired of this after a couple of weeks <laughs> but then with the same opportunity they make it. So um, all the interns are able to watch one procedure. And I, it's like, well, I, I did want to be a neurosurgeon at one point. So let me watch this craniotomy. And it was awesome. I really liked it. I hadn't even noticed that I, I think I got into the room at 6 45 and didn't leave until close to 5 PM, but the time almost flew by. Mm. And then I was like, man, like, are you sure you don't want to be a physician? <laughs> and then I started uh, looking up in, in different post-spec programs. Well, at first I didn't even know what a post program was. Kind of Googled like, <laughs> can, can I still be, be a doctor with bad grades? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> I was definitely going to ask. Like, how, at, at what point you, you kind of mentally go, okay, like I think I want to try this again. But logistically, it's like, well, how how do I and can I even? So it sounds like you you did you did what everyone else does. You went right to Google and like, can I do this?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's when I found out. Uh, um, I think it was like Postback Cast, something like that. And I found a list of different postbacks that I could apply to. Um, yep.
0: So so Postback Cast for people that don't know is um, it's basically the uh, centralized application service for a lot of post programs here in the country. Not every single post-bac program uh, uses it. Uh, it's a newer centralized application service that has been around now for probably four or five years. Um, so that's, that's what you found.
1: Mm-hmm. So I use that and try to stay local because i um... <laughs> I don't come from a lot of money. So paying for a post-bac program is going to be very difficult. And, uh, if I go out of town, that that would have been way more expensive. So if I, if I did decide to do something like that, or if I got accepted to a program like that, Mm -hmm. um, my thing was that it'd have to be something that was kind of like a linkage program and linkage programs from everything I was saying are all already like pretty competitive.
0: Yeah. So you you have this experience where you you take a look at post programs and it, it sounds like you didn't really do a ton of research between like, what is a post back program or what is a special master's program? Is is that right? You you found postback and you're like, okay, I guess this is what I need to do.
1: Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of a special master's program until I was already in my postback program.
0: Okay. Okay. And and what was it about the the postback program and postback cas and seeing that what about it did it tell you like, oh, this is for me?
1: Um so I think I ended up applying to four different programs based <laughs> based off cost and location. Um, and the ones that I chose were basically it basically came down to um something that would kind of improve my undergrad gpa that's one mm-hmm. um somewhere where i can take um take and retake all the pre-med science courses that i didn't take in undergrad. yep um because after well it gen chem 2 i have no further chemistry i hadn't taken um physics yet um what else i think i got um i think i fulfilled like maybe half of the biology uh, requirement and that was pretty much it Yeah. so i wanted somewhere where i could take all those undergrad classes and that kind of limited my choices by a lot because I everyone I was like oh if you've completed your undergrad you have to do like a graduate thing graduate post back and that wasn't really in the books for me because I, I don't really have the competency for the previous level
0: what do you what do you mean you didn't have the competency
1: like i didn't like i hadn't taken um physics basically so I wouldn't be able to meet the requirements basically to um, just to apply for med school, I feel like. Okay. Because yeah. they, they require physics 1 and 2, yep. or go 1, or, or two, 2, or yep. biochem, depending on each school's thing. So I wanted somewhere I could just straight up do all of those courses.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely, right? You, you were missing those courses, and your GPA wasn't good enough to... To to yeah. prove to medical schools that you were going to do it, what do you think was was the switch? Because you came out swinging in your post back and and crushed it with almost a four What was the difference for you?
1: <laughs> um, I was uh, it was kind of like an all or nothing. It's like Mike, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to do this with your life, you cannot mess around. Um, I also wanted to prove to myself that I was still academically sound because all my life I had not struggled in school and I got to college and completely messed up. And so then it was, it was kind of like a mental thing. Like, man, am I actually smarter? Was everything was just a hoax.
2: Yeah. But, um,
1: yeah, I came in and was like, all right, I'm not messing around. I'm not talking to people. I'm not making friends. I'm just going to do my work. And that, that's, that didn't necessarily happen. I ended up becoming friends with like my whole cohort somehow. Um, <laughs> And was still able to do really well. Um, honestly, I was not messing around. Period. And I also believe the weird thing about me is when I have, I guess the amount of effort I put into things is proportional to how difficult something is. So if I'm taking all these classes, and I was also taking classes from home, so I'm like helping out at home. I'm helping out with um, caretaking, um, helping with. I was like busy all around, so there was no time to like mess around or waste time. It was like get this done, get this done, get, get this done, move on, get next thing done. Mm-hmm. Was, every day was a rechecking really off list of things that I needed to get done for the day. Mm-hmm. I was not playing.
0: You you were playing. No no no. Ain't nobody got time for all that other stuff. Um. So so it sounds like. That that typically comes with maturity, of of prioritizing. Look, I, I know I should be studying, but I'm 19. I'm 20. I want to go have fun. It, it sounds like mm-hmm. you kind of got over that.
1: Yeah, big time.
0: If you were to go back and tell your younger self, like, "Hey, like, stop messing around," what do you think you could have told yourself to? to maybe prioritize studying back then? Or do you think it was just a necessary kind of process that you went through?
1: Um, I probably would have told myself to remember where you're coming from because I didn't have the easiest bringing, And it took a lot of resources and a lot of sacrifices and a lot of effort to get me to college. And even now I still look back and I, I get pretty disappointed about how I acted during then and it, it gets frustrating somehow. So right now I'm just happy. I was able to kind of make up for it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but even then going through all of that, I'm I, I, right now I can say at least I got it out of me. At least I've experienced those things because I had a relatively strict childhood where I couldn't really do anything. So at least I was able to get all that stuff out of me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I, I learned a lot during the process as well like about myself, about other people, about how I should be interacting with people and who I should be involving in my circles or who should actually be called a friend versus an acquaintance or maybe there's something in between. Not everyone's your friend, things like that. Yeah.
0: As as you were kind of looking at this process and thinking about doing the post back or even in your post back, did you get any sort of pushback about your your earlier poor grades and um and and told like there's no way you're going to get into med school why bother
1: um not my, not really my advisor was very uh, encouraging actually um the, the only pushback tech quote-unquote pushback would be stuff i saw online when was like like student doctor network oh you had this happen to you you had like this gpa that year no shock you know things like that but <laughs> and i i like filtered everything out I was like if i want to do this like i have to try my best do what i can i <laughs> can't really throw out in the past that much otherwise i'm going make it anywhere
0: yeah that's awesome so when it when it came to your application what do you think was the hardest part of, of the applications to medical school
1: the hardest part um <laughs> I feel like uh, the hardest part for the application was finishing my post program, honestly. When it came time to actually fill out the application, I felt so at ease because to me, the hard part was doing all my classes together and taking care of my grandma and doing x, y, and z. So when all of that had stopped and I could just focus on my, my primary. I, I can't say it was like that difficult for me, especially once I found your um your YouTube channel in May. Um <laughs> kind of became my guilty pleasure to uh <laughs> okay, I'm I'm done studying for the MCAT today. It's nine PM. I'm gonna work on my MCATs and watch uh, Dr. Gray's <laughs> YouTube series um and see like how uh people would write their own things. Cause before then I was like my disadvantage statement was um I'd say it was pretty garbage. I didn't know we could like you know tell stories, share stats, you know, share where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I just I just said oh I'm disadvantaged because we had one clinic in our neighborhood that was understaffed. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's so I, it's one of the things I don't like about the AMC's disadvantaged criteria is it's so focused on underserved medical kind of. Uh, location Mm -hmm. wise, I'm like, no, like talk about the human being behind the application, not the area that they grew up in. I I don't understand Mm -hmm. why they focus so much on, on the location and medical underserved, uh, kind of, um, definitions of, of being in a medical served area. It's it's just weird. Mm -hmm. So you figured that out. You told that story.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, your YouTube series is really helpful for me, especially getting to see um what the application would look like. Mm. And one of my concerns even coming into the application process was like, well, I wrote my personal statement. I feel like I put pieces of my life that I could, but I feel like there's also so many pieces of my life that I just couldn't fit in there, but are also very important to me and very prominent in my life. Mm. I didn't know what to do with that until I saw going through people's application i saw their options to do three meaningful experiences i was like oh this is perfect you know i get to share this here this here and that was very beneficial to me otherwise i i feel like i wouldn't have been able to paint a full picture of myself
0: yeah how did you figure out which ones you wanted to mark as most meaningful
1: um i looked at things that were i would say are still impactful to me today so i'm not sure if you have my application open but i did discuss um one was um an organization that, that i participated in throughout all of college it's called camp kesem um we it's a student-run organization where we provide a free week of camp to children whose parents or loved ones have cancer mm-hmm. and we kind of create something like an escape for them with the exception of a day where we kind of like dig deep, and if they want to, they have the opportunity to share how um, their, their family members' cancer has made them feel, what it has done to them, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, and after, my freshman year is when I first started, and since then, I, I, I couldn't let it go. I still talk to my friends about it. If they're going into college, I say, hey, see if your, your school has a chapter of Camp Kesson. It's a really great organization, and I promise you will love it, um, things like that. And then my, I wrote about um, bringing my grandma's caretaker just because not only was it taking up a lot of my time, but it was also something where it's like coming home from college, I had kind of like took it upon myself to be responsible for my grandma's healthcare, especially since um, like my mom is a single mother and she was like, work, she works a ridiculous amount, maybe like 80, 200 hours a week. So it's like she's doing this, she's taking care of the home. She's taking my grandma to her doctor's appointments and chemo. Chemo can take all day. So it's like she's doing all this. And now that I'm back from college, I, I say like I can pick that up myself. And even just going through that process, just seeing um how it how it can be challenging for my grandma, especially since um English isn't her first language and she's also not from this country. She just came here quite a few years she's been here for some time now but still like this isn't she didn't grow up in western culture you know we get into a hospital they're using all these big terms and this and that and (laughs) my grandma has mastered the skill of (laughs) speaking in a certain way that'll have the person ask her questions believe that she understands (laughs) just so she can get them to stop talking yep And then when she says that and the physician thinks this, I'm like, well, I can't say anything anymore because she just said she understood it, you know? Yeah. But, but it's basically, um, I I guess like with my grandma, I basically do a, a lot of like patient advocating, which has become pretty prominent to me. And I look at that as a skill that basically all physicians are meant to have as well and it's also my grandma. We spend a lot of time with each other, so it's gonna be a meaningful experience to me. Um, And then my other one was actually (laughs) something that I did throughout my summers in high school, but it's something that I could say is still impactful to me. I was a caddy for all summers after freshman year of high school, up until the summer after my freshman year of college. And I did receive a, a full tuition scholarship called the Chick Evans Scholarship to attend the Levi and it's something that I could say so impactful for me today because people will ask oh like why do you do this why do you do that and and the story always goes back well I caddy before so I walk a little faster I I, I caddy before so I'm I'm accustomed to kind of networking with multiple people about or people that I'd never seen before, you know, things like that. There's a lot of life skills that I picked up from it, including like perseverance and resilience. Cause my yeah. caddy master would, uh, put it in my face whenever I didn't do well my first year. And it, it really stuck with me. I did not give up on it. And I'm grateful I didn't because I would not have been able to go to college if that was the case.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, just a, a clarification or, or a, a note, uh, Camp Kesem is K-E-S-E-M. It's kesem.org for people who want to go check that out. It looks like a cool organization to, to get involved in. So thanks for sharing that. When it came to, uh, to actually submitting your application, uh, what was that process like? Uh, the, the waiting process The you submitted, it looks like on day one uh, in the afternoon, you submitted your application Uh and it's it amazes me that it still took two months to process. I'm assuming you had uh, what a lot of people had, and you had transcript issues. Is that what is what happened?
1: That's exactly what happened. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's terrible. So you're you're dealing with the stress of of figuring out transcripts, and uh, if people don't remember or don't didn't know, like. The double AMC uh, during this this time had submission issues and um, just where to submit and and where were people and do you mail them and where do you mail them and this was in 2021 like a year into the pandemic when they should have figured this out already <laughs> they still had issues so um, thank you double AMC for continuing to make this process horrible for everyone um, <laughs> the the uh, the waiting game is hard what was it like when you got that. First interview invite.
1: Well, I, <laughs> I, I got teary-eyed. Um, it was. It was. It started to get pretty emotional for me because I. I thought back to when I was like the little kid that wanted to be a physician. Thought back to like my experiences in high school. Thought back to college how I messed up. Thought back to my performance in my uh, postdoc program, and then it felt surreal that like I'm here knocking on the doors of med schools and then someone actually wants to interview me. So it's like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening. It didn't feel real. Um, I told everybody (laughs) I had an interview. I was so excited. Um, Yeah, I I was just happy. Like even, I was just grateful along the whole way. Like I was happy to be submitting an application, happy to be picking schools to put on the application. I, I was happy throughout the process. Cause I, I feel like I got here against many odds.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I definitely would be happy in telling everyone as well. How did you prepare for that first interview?
1: Um, I looked over my application a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I also went through the school's, um, mission, um, mission and values. I kind of like, um, searched through, uh, basically the whole website. Yeah. Um, see if there was any information that i could use then they did let me know uh the two faculty members that would be interviewing me so i kind of (laughs) researched them too um trying to see who these people are Mm. um and then i actually did find out okay no after i did that interview i found out you actually had an interview book so i read that afterwards (laughs) but i was after reading it i did um Realize, I, I was able to apply a lot of the things that you discussed and I made that interview it was pretty conversation like I would say um but since it was my first interview I could also say that I, I felt like I started off rambling because they would ask me one question I give the answer and then um I'd continue talking and they'd be like oh wait like that was a follow-up question we we're gonna ask me." all oh, I'm sorry it's just I think I was just really excited to be there, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome.
0: So you, you go through this process, how much of your prior undergraduate GPA struggles, how much did that come up in your interviews?
1: Um, not as often as I thought it would. Well, kind of, but it wasn't like prominent. Mm -hmm. Um, I had even marked um, that I have been—I had received institutional action or whatever the term is for falling below um, the GPA thing—and mm-hmm. some schools were like, "Oh, well, yeah, we, we don't really care about that. You rocked yeah. your postback program. We understand <laughs> that. You get it." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes uh, with another interview, they would ask like, "Also, like, what did happen here, and did you learn something from it?" You know, but. Well yeah, I learned a lot about myself. And that's it. They weren't like really digging in like, oh, you have two, three, four W's, you you got a D here. It was not that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? It's it's very much a what have you done for me lately kind of sentiment. And and honestly, they're just looking for academic capability, which you showed in your postback, which is why I talk all the time about upward trend. You went from having your second year a 1.92 science GPA, a 1.88 cumulative GPA in your second year, right? Not cumulative, but your your second year GPA was a 1.88. Not great, right? <laughs> but, but then you went from that 192 second year GPA, science GPA to a 396 science GPA in your post program, over 30 credits, you showed academic capability. And while, and I talk about this all the time, while your final numbers aren't super sexy, because of your early struggles, you still showed that academic capability. Something clicked, whether it's more maturity, uh, better clarity of what you wanted out of life, whatever it was, you showed everyone reviewing your application. I can handle medical school. That's all. You got the interviews. You got the acceptances. You did. You did what you needed to do. And so I, I just, I will never stop screaming from the rooftops about that upward trend. What? Do you, what was the most? um interesting part of the application process? Maybe a question that you were really surprised about or an interest in one of your activities you were really surprised about. What what was something interesting about your interview process?
1: Um, I had an interview with um, Mary and it, it was kind of different than the other interviews I had done. Um, this little faculty member was actually asking me a lot of mentally stimulating questions and it got to a point where like i i didn't know what to say <laughs> um
0: <laughs> like what what's what's a, a mentally stimulating question
1: so for example um we got on the topic of how um underrepresented minorities um are would want to give back to um their communities mm-hmm. once they become established once like they become a physician they're earning whatever um, they want to come back into their communities, hopefully start a clinic, um, do some kind of patient education type of stuff, or just mm-hmm. give back in any way. Mm-hmm. And he brought up a study that that doesn't happen at all. So yeah. how what could I do specifically to ensure him that I wouldn't fall into that category? You know, and I, I can't really say anything different than what anyone else was saying because Everyone else is probably saying the same thing that I that I said, like, oh, I come from this community, like I grew up here, I understand how it is. You know, he's probably heard that a million times. So yeah. after a while, I was just, I was just kind of like stumped. And then I came. I, I think I said something along the lines of um, growing up in Chicago, I have constant reminders, even if I'm not in one of these underrepresented communities or underprivileged, under or underserved communities, that uh there's gonna be there's gonna be a need for help, for service, for, for people to give back. Cause in Chicago, it's not like even if you're not um in a lower socio not economically lower socioeconomical area, if you could be in a pretty privileged area and still see homeless people like in those areas as well. Yeah. So it's not like you move up your social class and then you're in a high-rise and you never see homeless people you never see people struggling again mm-hmm. so i kind of used that as my example but even then i felt like that wasn't a great answer because i don't know i feel like I, I can't really if studies show it i i can't really say like oh i'm i'm the outlier <laughs> you know yeah yeah
0: it's it's interesting right my my assumption without knowing the data in that, that specific study is my, my assumption is just living life myself is that y- you just get into a situation where um, from an economic standpoint, right? You, you come from not a lot. You start to make money. You, you still have bills and other stuff, but you have what, what's known as kind of lifestyle creep where your lifestyle that you get used to continues to rise with your paycheck. And so while you have all these good intentions on the outset of giving back, you don't have much to give back when you actually take it all into account you're like oh i got my mercedes benz to pay for i have my five bedroom uh, six bathroom house to pay for i got my boat to pay for whatever right um but then just just life in general gets in the way and and you're working all the time and that takes a lot of mental energy and 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 time and and you just don't prioritize and and aren't intentional and so it's just it's interesting to see that the study kind of supports what I would assume happens is people just get busy. And it's not that they're, they, they are lying at the beginning and going, ha ha, I'm going to say, I'm going to give back. And then I'm really not going to, they just, it's just life gets in the way and, and they, (laughs) they don't have time for it, which is a bummer. But, Interesting. So you go through this process. You, uh, I, again, I, I keep harping on the second year GPA of less than a two um, <laughs> as that big pivot point for you, which was uh, like, a, a, kind of a gut check of like, do I really want this? If I did want it, I, I would be doing better. Can I still do it? Um, my GPA doesn't show that I can. Are, are med schools ever going to uh, believe me or give me a chance? And so you you pivot away from medicine. You come back to it at some point and, and you show the world, like, make no mistake. Like, I can do this. So I, I love that kind of upward trend. I love that story uh of of kind of refinding yourself a little bit later which is perfectly fine to do and it, it shows
1: you with multiple interviews
0: how many acceptances do you have at this point
1: um i have one so far i've had a i got one wait list as well okay and i still have a good amount of schools that i hadn't heard anything from so it's not a rejection which is great just yeah. not an interview <laughs> invite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so much silence from schools. It's, it's unfortunate that there's not better communication there. We're, we're working on that. We're, uh, we're trying to harass the schools more and more to, to get them to, um, to communicate better through this process. What was it like to get that acceptance phone call or email?
1: Oh, um, that's when instead of being teary eyed, I actually just cried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it was it was very emotional for me and it was really out of the blue. I came back, I got into my car from Joel Hasco. I was like, "Oh, let me check my email real quick." I see the preview, it was like we we are pleased to congratulate you or something like that. And then I didn't even open the email. I didn't read the rest of it. I just like <laughs> put the phone down in the passenger seat and started crying in my car for about 10 15 minutes. Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh man, I got to tell my mom." So, uh, I started driving home teary-faced yeah i I tell her and then she starts screaming and doing this and (laughs) and then my grandma's upstairs like what happened (laughs) that's awesome yeah it was all it was it was a great experience um i won't forget that yeah
0: what do you say to the student going through this process maybe in a similar situation to yourself second year where you're getting your poor grades. You get put on a kind of academic probation because of those grades. Doubting yourself all along the way. Um, what do you say to those students who may be going through the same thing, but in their heart know that they want to be a physician?
1: I would say keep persevering. Um, you're always going, especially when something like that happens. You're going to have a lot of people telling you, "Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should give up." you you'll probably even be telling yourself that but you you have to fight those voices and if this is really what you want you got to keep pushing forward do your best Um, seek out the help you need seek out mentoring guidance anything that would help you reach your goals and do what you can
0: all right so there you have it again mike overcoming that early poor gpa this is key to understand when we're talking about upward trend and what that means and what that looks like and what it can do to help you overcome any hiccups along the way. Hopefully this was encouraging. If you've been there, hopefully you haven't been, but if you have been, hopefully it is encouraging to to give you some strength and encouragement to know that you can overcome on your journey to medical school. Don't forget to go check out blueprintmcat.com. check out that amazing new sketchy mcat and blueprint mcat bundle today we have a great day we'll see you next week here on the pre-med years